0: Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irvin, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you. I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are in week number three of our series that's leading all the way up to Easter. We're calling it Epic. Um, The greatest story... Ever told, and in fact, it's really a combination of the greatest stories that are that have ever been told. And in this series, we're looking at some of these really awesome Bible stories that are in really mostly in your Old Testament, the first half of your Bible that you might hear about in uh, Sunday school as a kid. But we want to really capture these stories and uh, and really recapture the power and the impact that they might have had on your life the first time that you heard them, or maybe this is. The the first time that you're hearing it, and I hope that today, if it is your first time, it's going to um, have a life-changing impact on you. And uh, some of these stories you might recognize before, even if you've not been in church before. Um, the story of Adam and Eve. we've talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about last week the story of Noah, um, and we're going to go on. We're going to talk about the you know David and Goliath. We're going to talk about Jonah and the big fish. And some of that stuff, it's going to be real fun. Um, talking about Noah, I heard, a, uh, I heard a joke last week, and I asked him if I could tell you guys, because it was really funny to me. So if, you know, if you don't laugh, I found it really funny. So last week, at the end of uh, the experience last week, he came up and, uh, and he said, hey, "Did you hear about the snakes on the ark?" I said, Noah, I don't know if I've heard about that. And so the snakes were on the ark, and God gave the command to Noah for all of, to have all the animals multiply and fill the earth after they got off the ark, you know. And so Noah um, looks at these snakes and he said, Okay, you guys, you got to multiply and fill the earth. And they said, We can't. He said, What? He said, they said, uh, We can't multiply. We're adders. Adders is a type of snake, no? All right, whatever, y'all. Google it, whatever. I thought it was hilarious. Man, I got my father-in-law heckling me from the front row. What do you do? Pack it up and go home. So um, there's this one time, it was years ago, where uh, I had my friend with me. His name is Alec and we were in Florida, and we were driving around. Just He's like, hey, he was riding in my car. I had a, I had a little small um, Ford Escort ZX2. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds sporty, but it wasn't. Um, but I had this thing, and, and we were driving around town in Florida, and then uh, he said, hey, can you drop me by the bank? I need to run up to the ATM and get some cash. I said, no problem. So we drove over to the bank, and... I got there, and I I parked, and he went and ran up to the ATM. There was a few people in line, so it took a little bit for him to to get it, and he withdrew his money. He came back out, and he opened the door, and he sat in the passenger side seat, and he looked around, and it wasn't me in the driver's seat. He had gotten into the red car next to us, and he looked at the lady in the sheer terror that was on his face, and the sheer just shock that was on her face. I just, I saw the whole thing playing out in front of me and I didn't warn him. <laughs> it was my fault. But it was hilarious. It was one of the most funny moments of my life that he like came back and, you know, what are the odds just two. Uh, it's probably pretty high actually, the two red cars to be parked beside each other, but that's on him. Uh, so he got in this seat and, I mean, I tell you what, the look on his face when he realized that he was just somewhere he didn't belong. He just was in the wrong place. Do you guys ever been in a place that you just felt like you didn't belong? Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was a little different for you. Maybe you didn't get into the wrong car. Um, I have gotten in the wrong car before. Uh, Actually, there was one time I went up and I was like jerking on the handle before I realized this isn't my car. I'm glad that, the, that there was no lady sitting inside. She would have probably uh, pepper sprayed me. Maybe it was different for you, though. Maybe it was like, a, maybe you were in a room full of people and you're all sitting around and you realized, you, you thought to yourself, you know what? I just don't belong here. I'm in this room, but I'm all by myself, Maybe um, maybe if you're like me, you went to uh, the gym and just thought, I don't belong here. You guys ever, nope, no, just me, whatever. And you thought to yourself, one of these things are not like the other. This morning, we're going to be talking about the story of Moses. And in this story, you're going to see that God is going to appear to Moses in a really... Crazy way. It's going to be really weird to you if you've never heard the story that God appears to him and he and then he's gonna he's gonna call what we call calling Moses. God's gonna give Moses a mission, and he says, "Your mission is to free the Israelites from the captivity of the Egyptians." Because what had happened. Was there was a day where the Israelites and the Egyptians were really coexisting? This guy named Joseph, not the not the father of Jesus, but a different Joseph. He he was an Israelite boy that um, he rose up through the. He was a Hebrew boy that rose up through the ranks. In Egypt, and uh, he got to the very top position. In fact, Pharaoh said that um, I'm the only one that has authority over you. You have the whole authority of Egypt under you. And so he takes this top position. He saves the nation of Israel, um, and then years and years and years later, the Israelites start multiplying. They start having babies, and their their nation starts growing. And the the Egyptians got really scared. Because they were saying, if these guys keep growing like this, they're going to be able to take over us. And so they tried to get it cut off before they are able to do that. And they, they took the Israelites into captivity. And they were, the Israelites were now the slaves to the Egyptians. And so they were the ones that had to run around. They had to make the bricks, the blocks out of hay and mud and, and all that stuff. And after years of this, God calls this guy named Moses to do something about it, And we're going to read about that. The, t- the title of today's message is, Enough is Enough. Let's start reading in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, who's a shepherd. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over there and check this thing out. I'm going to go see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. And when the Lord saw um, that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. See, God, might, God has heard you crying out at night about the things that you're suffering about. He's not left you. you. You may feel like he's really far gone, but I promise you the same thing that he said to Moses. I've heard their cries. I've heard the suffering and I am concerned about It's the same thing that he's saying to you today. He's not left you. He hears your cries. He's concerned about them. And he's doing something about it. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Cellulites. Just kidding. And I got some of y'all, didn't I? And now the cry, you're like, that's not in there. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so out of this exchange, we see that Moses, like, he sees this burning bush, right? God speaks to Moses through this bush that is burning, but it's not burning up. So it's not consuming itself. He's like, that looks really weird. I'm going to go check this thing out. He's like one of those rubberneckers on the highways. You drive past, and there's a wreck on your left, and you slow down to five miles per hour and make it worse on all the rest of us because you got to see who is that. Hey, that's, ain't, that, ain't that old brother Lou? Lou's brother up on Tipton Ridge and on that wreck there. I don't know. Sorry, Brother Lou, if you're out there. I don't know who you are, but if you live on Tipton Ridge, this is your sign to come to church. Um, But no, he sees this, this burning bush, and he's like, that is weird. So he goes and checks it out, and then God speaks to him. And he says, Moses, hey... I've seen and I've heard the suffering that's happening with my people. I'm concerned about it. And so you're, so, you're going to do something about it. God calls Moses. See, God, like, you think sometimes God is this God that, hey, if he wanted to take care of it, he could just take care of it. Why didn't he just handle it? Because God still chooses to work through people. God, if God wants something done on the earth, he's going to work through people to do it. That's just the way he operates. That's the way that God chooses, especially in these times where uh, when we uh, give our lives to Jesus, we're now the dwelling place of God on this earth. And God chooses to use us, mobilized as the local church, in order to make an impact, in order to make a difference, in order to, to maybe free the captives wherever they might be. But in this instance, uh, God calls to, to Moses and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you to do this. So you go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. And so God calls Moses, but like many of us, Moses' response ends up being a whole lot of excuses first. And I know personally... I've made these excuses before. There's five excuses that Moses makes in response to God here. Number one, he says, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. Chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You ever ever asked yourself that question before? Like, hey, I'm not anybody. I'm a nobody. Why Why would God ask me to do something special? Because I'm just... Average Joe, I'm, I'm a nobody. And God replied to Moses, he said, I'll, I'll be with you. You might think of yourself as a nobody, but I'll be with you. And this will be the sign that I've sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, they're going to worship me right here on this mountain. He says, you might feel like a nobody, but my presence is going to empower you. And then you'll see, you'll look back on this day and you'll remember this day because you guys are going to be worshiping in this spot. The second excuse that Moses gives, he says, I don't know enough, but I don't, I don't know enough. You guys ever feel like that? I, hey, I can't invite people to church. I can't talk about my faith because I just don't know enough about it. I, I just don't know what I, I would say. There's a, you know, I've, never, I've never led anybody to Jesus before. I've never talked about Jesus before with people because I just don't know enough. I don't have a, a college degree. I don't have a Bible degree. I, don't, I haven't studied this stuff for years. I just got saved last month. I don't know anything about it. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what do I tell them? Because Moses doesn't know at this moment. He doesn't know who he's speaking to. I don't know enough. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Which is a strange um, strange response. I, I am who I am. And this is what you say to the, to the Israelites. You say, I am has sent me to you. So God is saying, there's a reason he says... Moses is like who are you? He said I am. And really the way that it's written is the way that it's written in the original language is to almost leave a blank at the end of I am, which is telling Moses anything that you all would need, I am the one that supplies it. I am, okay? So so you all need you all need resources. I am your resource. Right now you're you're hurting and you're broken and you're feeling bad. I am your comfort. And for you today, like maybe, maybe anxiety is up on you. God says, I am your peace. Maybe, you're, you, you, maybe you got laid off from your job over COVID and you still haven't been able to, to, to recover financially yet. God says, I am the source of your supply. I am. And you say, I don't know enough. And God says, I am enough. Third thing that Moses would, would say is that People won't take me seriously. But people won't, if, if I go to them, they're not going to take me seriously. They, they knew, they knew who, I, who I used to be. They know who I was. See, what happened was Moses actually murdered somebody in Egypt and he ran. He ran off for it. And I'm sure in this moment he's like, they're not going to take me seriously, not a murderer. Like, What do I do? Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord did not appear to you? You ever wonder that? What if, I'm trying to do this, but what if just people don't take me seriously? The fruit of it will prove itself because God won't let Himself be put to shame. If God is calling you to do something, He's going to make sure that you're able to do it. You don't have to be the one that people take seriously. You just get to be the mouthpiece for the one that they really do need to take seriously. That God's calling you to do something, and you're saying, there, I, there's nothing in me that, that deserves to be the person that says this. Nobody. I, I've been a clown my whole life. Why would anybody listen to me? And God says, they don't need to listen to you. They just need to listen to me. Number four, Moses says his, his, this excuse, I, but I'm no good with words. See, Moses is trying to go through all these things, and God keeps, he keeps countering him. And Moses is like, but what about this, though? <laughs> Did you think about this one? Moses said, I'm no good with words. He said, pardon your servant, Lord. He's, that, that means he's about to say something you're not going to like. Pardon me. No offense, right? You ever been told that before? Hey, no offense, but your breath's stinky. Like, how am I supposed to not be offended at that? No offense, but you look like you put on some weight. Like, whatever. (laughs) I'm offended. Okay, that's personal. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to me. I wasn't eloquent in the past, and I've not been eloquent in these five minutes that you just spent with me either. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf from you? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, stop it and go, and I'll help you speak. I'll help teach you what to say to them. You may feel like you're just no good with words, or maybe you're ill-equipped. You just don't have the skills that it's going to take in order to do what God's asking you to do. God says, hey, if you go, I'll make a way. If you go, I'll teach you. If you go, I'll, I'll, I'll show you what to say. It just requires you to take the first step. And then, and then Moses tries this last one. He's gone through his whole list here. And then in, in verse 13, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Once again, hey, I know you just said that, but um, pardon your servant one more time. Please send someone else. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's funny. He's just going through the list. He's like, but what about, I don't know enough. I can't talk good. Just send somebody else. You know, just, I can't do it. And this fifth excuse that we give, I just don't want to. I just plain don't want to. You've asked me to do this, but I just don't want to do it. Sometimes you just got to be real. you got to admit hey, you're not making all these excuses because you're really worried about these excuses. You're making all these excuses because you really don't want to. Somebody texts you on a Friday night, and they're like, hey, you want to you wanna hang out tomorrow? And you're like, searching for your wife. What do we have going on? <laughs> what can we do to get out of these plans? Somebody texted me this past Friday and asked us to make plans. I really did have something going on. So if you're listening to this, you know who you are. I really actually did have something going on, so I wasn't avoiding you. But you know you've used this excuse before. You're like, honey, make something up. Or like maybe like when I was a, when I was a kid growing up, um, Somebody would, would call and, uh, you know, they, I'd answer the landline because we still had those then. And I answer it and they're like, hey, you want to you wanna hang out this week? You want to do something? And I'm like, dad, tell me no. Tell me no. Like, don't, dad, don't let me go. I don't want to hang out with them. Just give me an excuse to get out. Because I made these excuses, but I really just don't want to. Sometimes you just got to be real and say, nah, don't feel like it. Don't want to do it. Hey, at least you're honest, right? Like, if if God's asking you to do something today, at least you could be honest, like Moses is finally being honest and say, you know what? Send somebody else. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. This is what I got going on. I just don't want to do it. And I'm going to be real truthful to you. If this is you this morning, and you're just like, you know, I just don't want to do it. There's nothing I can say or do this morning to change your mind. I'm, I don't have the solution for you. Because I can't change your mind. You're saying, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not going to make you. It's not my job to, to do that. But what I can tell you is this. That since I said yes to Jesus, I've never regretted it. This is fifteen years, going on 15 years in August. That I said yes to Jesus. And I've never regretted that choice. And when God called me to pastor, when God called me to ministry, most days I don't regret that choice. But it is worth it. It's hard sometimes, but it's worth it. So maybe maybe you don't want to. Maybe this morning, like you feel that tug on you, and you're just your answer is like Moses. Hey, send somebody else. Just don't want to do it. But guys, let me encourage you, it's worth it if you do. That's our Temptation, right? That God would call us to do something just like Moses. And our temptation is to respond to God with our excuses as to why we can't do what he's asking us to do. But there are some things that we look at here in the story of Moses that we can really pull from this morning. And it's more than the excuses. I want to encourage you this morning to take this away. To let God use you even if you don't feel enough. Even if you don't feel like you're the one. Let God use you. Number one, I've got three, three points this morning from the story of Moses. Number one, I need you to know this, that God didn't call them. God called you. God didn't call that someone else that you think He should have called. He called you. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 17 of the New Living Translation says, Each of you should continue to live in whatever the situation the Lord has placed you, and remain as you were when God first called you. God called you. Maybe you said to yourself, I'm not sure I'm the mom that they need. I'm not sure that I'm the leader that they need. I'm not sure that I'm the person that they Deserve. But listen, you're the one they have. God called you. You may feel unworthy, but He called you. You may feel like you're not enough, but God called you. God chose you. Don't tear yourself down wishing that you were someone different. Listen, God wants to use you not in spite of who you are, but because of who you are. God has made you with a divine purpose in mind. You're like, I'm too quirky. There's no way. God wants to use you because you're quirky. Sometimes I have a tendency to to snap off. God wants to use you because you're passionate. That's my excuse. <laughs> you gotta look for the good, baby. mining the gold. But listen, you may not feel like enough, but God didn't call them. God called you. So let him use you, not in spite of who you are, but because of who you are. Number two, I need you to know that as you go, God will equip you. God will equip you. You see, we have Moses that's like, hey, what do I, if I go, what, I just, what do I do? I don't don't even understand. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 says this Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you. With everything good for doing His will, and may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ. God wants to equip you to take on the tasks that He's called you to do. He's not going to say, hey, go, go build a house and not give you the tools to do it. He's supplied your belt. He's supplied your carpenter's belt. He's ready for you to go build a wall. He wants you, he's equipping you to do it. He says, He's never gonna put you in a place where if he's called you to do it, he's gonna leave you without. Whatever God calls you to do, he's not gonna leave you ill equipped. Whether it's something that you have to endure, sometimes you have to endure stuff because time is, life is tough, right? Life is, sometimes life is ridiculously tough. Or whether it may be a wildly intimidating opportunity in front of you. Whether either one of those are you, the same God who called you to it will equip you through it. The same God that called you to it is going to equip you through it. He's got what you need. Sometimes we just have to ask. He's got what you need. Sometimes we just have to recognize See, we see this in the passage that we read earlier. Moses said, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to what I have to say? And God's response is this. We didn't read this part, but this is, this is the best response to me. God says, what's that in your hand? See, Moses is a shepherd. And so he's got his staff. God says, what's that in your hand? And Moses says, I've got a staff. God says, I'm going to use that. The very tool that Moses needed to accomplish God's mission had been in his hand for years before he was ever called. I think that's God's question to you today. You're asking him, what about about this? What if this? What if if that? What if this? What if that? God's response is, what do you have in your hand? You're like, how am I going to handle this? God says, "What do you have in your hand? What do you have that I've given you that you can use in this situation? I'm going to call you to do great things, unimaginable things, but before you see what I'm going to do, I need you to see what I've given you. see sometimes we go through that in life and we we're, we're going through these rough situations and in in the you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to make it. But God has placed the very relationship that you need to reach out to already in your life. Maybe years before. God has brought him into your life because he knew that you are going to go through it. You just have to recognize. You know what? What if I shot a text message to this person? Man, what do I do? My, what do I do here? My job, my job is going away. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And God said... Hey, you remember way back when, when when you learned how to do this certain skill that not a lot of people know? Maybe you should do something with it. Maybe you should start a business. Maybe you should do something. My encouragement is this, and I think God's encouragement to you is this. You might feel ill-equipped, but your problem isn't that you don't have it. The problem is you don't recognize that you have it. See, that's what happens in this church. We have what's called a, um, a gifts-based ministry structure and not a needs-based ministry. See, like I'm never going to stand up here and say, we need more kids workers. We need, we need more of this. We need more of these people, more of those people. We need... Because you know why? Because everything that God wants to do through this church is already sitting in this church. And everything that God wants to do through your life is already deposited into your life. You're not ill-equipped. You're just blind. But I know a God that restores sight. And my prayer for you today is that you'll begin to recognize, if you're in a hard situation, if you're in a crossroads and you don't know where to go, my prayer is that you would begin to recognize the things that God has already put inside of you so you can use them for His purpose. God will equip you. Then finally, number three. God's the one who writes your story. God is the one who does it. You may feel like you have the pen in hand sometimes, especially when you make a mistake, right? Like, well, God doesn't make a mistake. That was all me. But God writes your story. And you know what? Sometimes He writes in things to your story to correct your stupid actions. God can use your mistakes and still point you back on the path that He wants you to go. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this, Being confident of this, that He, that God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The God that started it is going to be the God that finishes it. The God that has called you to this in this life is going to be the same God that helps you complete it. He's going to get you to the finish line. He's the one that ends the story. You're not the one that ends the story. If you're not dead, God's not done. It's not too late. God has a plan for you. You say, but I've, I've rejected him five times already. Every time somebody comes to me, I, I, reject, I reject him, I reject him, I reject him. Isn't he done with me yet? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 refers to God as the author and the finisher of our faith. That word finisher also can mean the editor. So not only is he the one that writes the story, he's the one that fixes it when there's a mistake. He's the author and he's the editor of your story. I've rejected him five. Let me tell you a story. I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. And there was this one guy. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard this before. There's this one youth pastor that every single Wednesday he'd come he'd come to the school and he'd eat with a bunch of us teenagers. And every single Wednesday he invited me to church. And I tell you what, I was as atheist as atheists could come and I didn't want a thing to do with him. I didn't want a thing to do with Christianity. I didn't want a thing to do with his church. And so every single Wednesday when he came, he said, Hey, you coming to youth tonight? I say, "Beat, no. <laughs> you got to edit it. I say, Heck. No, I'm not coming. I came up to him one time and said, Stop right there. You're going to invite me, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, I'm never coming to your church. Then fast forward to August of the next year. I just lost my father. I was left without parents. I was an orphan. And I was sitting there in my room, and you know what I thought? I was lonely. It was a Wednesday night. And I thought, you know what? For a year straight, that guy invited me to go to his church. I feel like I just want to be around people, and I know they're gathering. And so I went to church that night. I went to youth group that night. I'm telling you, if I rejected Will King ten times, I rejected him a hundred. But that night, something was different. And God had a plan for my life. And there was something about it that drew me in. And I gave my life to Jesus that night, sitting in that youth group that I promised him I would never attend. If if at that moment, as a sophomore, if I believed that there was a God, I had rejected him every single week. And yet he wasn't done with me. An angry, lonely, drunk, high orphan boy with anger problems. And God wasn't done with me yet. And I get to stand here up on this stage because I'm not the author of my story. I don't get to write this, and I heck, I dang sure don't get to edit it. And that's a good thing. God is the author and the editor of your story. And this story of Moses ends in a really crazy way that Moses goes before Pharaoh, right? And he finally gets up the courage. He goes before him. He says, Pharaoh, those famous words, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. (laughs) And so he goes back to him and finally God had to bring like 10 plagues on the the Egyptians. And finally Pharaoh's like, you know what? Go, just go. I'm tired of it. But as the Israelites left, Pharaoh instantly regretted his decision and so he called his whole army together to chase down the Israelites until they're trapped in a situation that they they really didn't see any good outcome. They were trapped between the army of the Egyptians and the Red Sea behind them that they couldn't cross and they're stuck, they're trapped between a rock and a hard place And so God told Moses in this moment, see, they looked like it looked like there was no hope, but God told Moses, take your staff and stretch your hand over this water and this Red Sea is going to part on either way, on either side of you. And you guys, and the Israelites, so Moses did that, and the Israelites walked through all the way on dry land. They crossed all the way to the other side. The army of the Egyptians were still behind them. So they crossed to the other side, and once they made it, God told Moses, stretch your hand back over the water, over the sea again. And in that moment, all the water rushed back. And the Bible says this in Exodus chapter 14, verse 28. It says, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. Could it be that God doesn't just want to deliver you from your issues, but he wants to completely destroy your struggle? Could it be that the God that God chooses to bring you into a scary situation where you don't think you're going to make it, so that he can free you from your bondage forever? Maybe you have to go through a tough time of feeling lonely, of feeling separated because God wants to distance you from the things that were feeding into your addiction because he doesn't want you five years from now to run back to it. God doesn't want you just to walk out and be free. God wants, them to fall. God wants your struggle to follow you so he can destroy it and you'll never be able to go back because not one of them survived. You say, why God, why am I going through this? Because God wants to destroy your enemies. Because God wants to destroy your struggles. He doesn't want to. God doesn't just want to give you a single victory. God wants you to live a life of victory. And he's going to prove himself faithful. God's the one who writes your story. See there is this. The Bible says that as the Israelites went. As they left. There's this pillar of cloud. It was fire by night and cloud by day, so it would give give them shade in the hot sun and it it would give them light through the night. There's this pillar of cloud that had been guiding Moses and the Israelites and and when God made his move on the army of Egypt, when they got to where the Israelites were, were at the sea and they're moving through it, the Bible says that the pillar of cloud moved from in front and stood behind them. See, God is right in your story, but Jesus is the hero. And you can see Jesus in this moment, represented as this pillar of cloud and fire. See, when the Israelites needed direction, the cloud was their guiding them where to go. But when the Israelites needed protection, God had their back and defended them. He separated them from their issues, from their struggles, from, their, from the army. It's the same for you. When you don't know where to go, Jesus is the one that guides you. And when you don't know if you can stand anymore, Jesus is the one that defends you. He's the one that is protecting you. See, in this story, the Israelites, they were delivered because one man named Moses, who had all of the excuses in the world, finally said yes to God. What kind of impact can you have on the world if that thing that you've been fighting against, you finally said yes to it? The takeaway that we we can get from this story of Moses this morning, God will use you even when you don't feel enough. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.